This is Stan and Carl with A Word Fitly Spoken. This is a privately funded podcast, and yet we need your support, not with money, but with your prayers, that this ministry accomplishes two things. One is that we spread the gospel of Jesus Christ, and second, that this is a platform for Christians to be able to tell their story. Also, please subscribe to our podcast and like us. This makes our podcast much easier for others to find on Stitcher and iTunes and iHeartRadio and anywhere that podcasts are playing. This recording and the material within it is copyrighted and any rebroadcast or use of the material without expressed written consent is strictly prohibited. Hello and welcome to A Word Fitly Spoken with Carl and Stan. We are here to bring you the good news, give some reports from the local mission field, and to fellowship with our brothers and sisters in Christ. So sit back, listen, and enjoy A Word Fitly Spoken. Well, hello everybody, and welcome to A Word Fitly Spoken. We are here today at Winds Baptist Church on a beautiful Saturday morning with Steve and Annette Reeder. Folks, how are you doing today? We're doing great. Good. It's so good to see you. Annette, you're there, aren't you? I am. There I you am. are. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't hear his speech. <laughs> uh, Steve and Annette are just wonderful, a wonderful couple here at Winds Baptist Church that uh, uh, I've had a lot of great experiences with. Uh, Steve uh, is in the choir, plays the flute, and he's the guy. That... I would say I play violin. Hopefully it sounds a little different. Oh yeah, yeah. Wait, you don't you don't blow in a violin, do you? No. Not, not intentionally. No. <laughs> not intentionally. No, he plays the violin. Why is that It's so good to see you folks today, and we're here to talk uh, just uh, a little bit about some exciting stuff that's in the plans, hopefully down the road for 2021 involving Israel. But before we get there, I'd like for everyone to get a chance to to know you and know a little mm-hmm. bit about you. I guess the first question I have for you is, why don't you tell me how you came to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Okay, well, I'll go first. I was six years old when I came to know Christ. Wow. I I had grown up in the church. My father was a music minister, part-time, but he was still a music minister. And every Sunday, every Wednesday, every service, revival every night, that's what we did. Wow. And one thing he did, it's one thing to go to church. It's another thing to go to a church where they really preach the word. Yes. And my father made sure that we did that. So every Sunday, every sermon, regardless of what the sermon was really about, the plan of salvation was laid out. Oh, that's wonderful. And so unbeknownst to my family, I had not talked to anybody at all. I was a family of, we had a family of seven. Mm -hmm. And I hadn't talked to anybody. Just one Sunday, the invitation was given, and I just went forward. Wow. And I knew it to be true. I knew that I was saved. I was only six, I believe it was six years old when I did it. And I, I give thanks to my, my parents for taking us to a church that, you know, would preach the gospel and not just stuff that makes you feel good. Exactly. And, and obviously preached it in such a way that even a six-year-old mind can understand. Yeah. No one understand that we're all sinners. and yet... It was very clear to me that uh, we were all sinners, Yeah. that we, we needed to be saved from that sin, and that God was sent Jesus as the way to do that. Yeah, so I, I, it was never more clear to me. So that's, that's my story, and I'm glad at a young age that I knew Christ. It's made yeah. life so much better. Some people don't have that so early in their life, and that's, that's great. Whenever you come to Christ, that's great. 
but yeah. uh, I'm so happy I came early. Yeah, what a blessing to be able to mm-hmm. grow up in a family like that. I think yeah. that's just fantastic. Mm-hmm. Where exactly was that? What that, part of the country? That was in St. Louis, Missouri. Oh, okay. Yeah. Fantastic, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, I was... Just south of you, I was in Arkansas, so about the same time, probably. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're about my age. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Yeah, we- <laughs> <laughs> yes, everybody, he's old, just like me. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Hold on. Hold on. We weren't in that category yet. Oh, I listen to you. <laughs> okay, so Annette, how did you come to know the Lord as your Savior? Well, I was a slower learner than Steve. I was eight. So, oh. <laughs> uh, you know, pretty much the same thing, always in church. You know, oh, my dad weird. was a deacon and my mom was like the church librarian and we were just always there. And it's kind of like what Steve said, even whether it's six or eight or 28, yeah. as long as you understand that you need to take an action step, right? it doesn't just happen, you know, obscurely. You have to actually recognize that you need Jesus. That's and right. if a church can teach it to a six-year-old or an eight-year-old or a 28-year-old, then people will respond. But people need to know that you have to take an action step. You actually have to accept Jesus, you know. And and I think that's the beauty of the churches that we were in when we were children is that it was clear. Exactly. It was very clear. I knew I needed it. I knew I had sang one too many um, stanzas of Just As I Am. I needed <laughs> I needed him to be my I am. And so, yeah, at eight years old, I went forward. Well, that is wonderful. And you're right. It is an action step. I can't tell you how many times I've heard someone say that all you need to do to be saved is believe. And that's not exactly accurate. Well, what do you believe? Exactly. That's, you that's you got to first, you got to, <laughs> you got to admit that you're a sinner. Mm-hmm. You got to believe that Jesus Christ is the, is the solution to those sins, the one who can take those sins away. And then there's a commitment that has to be made. That's that action item. It is. Commit your life mm-hmm. to Christ. That's salvation. But you have to understand, too, what sin means. Right. Today, so often, people don't, you say, are you a sinner? Or you need to be saved from your sins. They don't even know what that means. I know. Because so much is deemed now okay. But it was years ago, too. I mean, to some extent, too. There's always been that level, what is a sin? And that's one reason I felt like I was really, had explained very well from the pastor, was that um, he would go out and name some sins. Right. These things we're doing are wrong. You know, for example, abortion is wrong. Right. We believe that. Exactly. And he would talk about these things and made it very clear to me what sin was. Because, because it's that those Ten Commandments is thou shalt not kill. Right. I mean, it's right there. You know, mm-hmm. abortion is obviously wrong. You can't be any clearer than that. Right. As a nation, we've moved further and further away from God instead of getting closer to God, despite all the blessings he's given this nation, to the point where we're taking the Ten Commandments out of public schools and out of courthouses and things of this sort. And to your point, Steve, mm-hmm. it was the Ten Commandments that showed us that we are sinners. You, mm-hmm. Just in the fact that try to keep that to a T. I mean, even Jesus, Jesus said, even if you think about committing some of these sins, that it's a sin. And and I we've lost that. And now people don't know the idea of what's right and wrong. And everything seems to fall into a gray area as far, from the world's perspective. And so when we teach children, like when I've done lots of different children programs... We always had these action things that we'll do with our hands. So sin is anything you think. So if you put your fingers on your forehead when you're teaching a child, anything you think, and then you put your fingers on your mouth, anything you say, and then just move your hands really fast, anything you do. So anything you think, say, or do that displeases God is sin. Exactly. And so teaching a child that, and so when children are being disobedient to their parents, it's like, hey, what are you thinking about right now? Is that pleasing God or not pleasing God? Yeah. And so we really, even for adults, we have to bring it down to an elementary level of understanding. 
And it's just like you said, you know, Jesus says, if you think on these things, it's a sin. Well, we need to remind people, hey, it's anything you think, say, or do that displeases God. And which is why back in the day when we accepted Christ, we understood that. Yes. It was very clear. Right. And so it, it was a good start. That's that's fantastic. I, I was much later in life before I got to Christ, but I think that's just a beautiful story. Uh, so you accepted Christ, and from that point on, you never sinned again. You worked a lot with the Lord. I can uh, answer that part. <laughs> well, in God's eyes, my sins were gone away with. They were right? gone away with. That's right. But of course, yes. Uh, sin was still happening, I guess you could say. I, I know. We all go through that. But... God obviously continued to bless you because he found this wonderful woman to be your wife. And you guys are make a wonderful couple. So tell us how, y'all, how you met. Well, at that same church I was uh, saved in, we actually had left that church and come back a while later when I had, I guess I was 20 or so, something like that. Anyway, Annette came as a summer missionary with a couple of girls that came to our church to uh, assist our church with the local outreach. And she can tell you about that. But she came there. And so um, I just saw her and said, that's... Uh, that was our mission. That's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> we saw her, and that was a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> she came as a missionary, yes. <laughs> so did you woo her with those words? <laughs> hey, you're a good idea. <laughs> no. That wasn't exactly how No, I'm, I'm sure that's not how I went down. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. So that you would have been in your 20s, so you've been married for about 20 years. Uh, now? Yeah. Uh, We've been married at least 20 well, years. Yeah, at, least, at least 20 years. That's great. Almost the second 20. I think that's fantastic. That is wonderful. And uh, this was in St. Louis? This was also in St. Louis, yes. Okay. Yeah. Well, what brought you out east and what led you to Wins? Well, I was had a job opportunity at the International Mission Board. Oh, okay. So we moved from St. Louis to here, to Richmond. Oh, okay. And so I worked there for about 14 years, and uh, I worked in the IT department. I wanted to work in a place like that, right? You know, that had affected the uh, the kingdom. So, absolutely. In my own way, supporting the IT functions. We also went on at least one mission trip through there, the uh, the Israel mission trip. Romania. Oh, Romania Hungary. also. That's right. We did a few things. It's it's been great. Oh, that's fantastic! Mm-hmm. Excellent. We did join Wins. Uh, we were looking for a church a little closer to our home at the time, and we didn't live too far from Wins, so we tried it out and. Okay. We like the way the pastor preached the gospel, and I like it when current events are kind of brought into the sermon to bring the Bible into perspective. Right. And I felt like that's what the pastor did. The bottom line, the Lord wanted us here. Absolutely. And that's why we came here. The sermons are just incredible, and Mm -hmm. uh, they Mm -hmm. do help in my Christian walk and give me a fresh perspective on some things and sometimes even smack me in the back of the head and get me to wake up and realize that maybe I... I'm looking at this thing wrong. So and it's not easy these days to find a church that's preaching the Bible and not just feel, know. Good, feel good stuff. You I, know? I, exactly. I mean, and since I've been here, I've found, you know, I've been able to play the violin and the, uh, yeah. along with choir. I only like playing songs that praise the Lord. Absolutely. I really don't play much at all of any other kind of songs. Not that I couldn't, but I just yeah. don't. That's why I like playing with the choir. Yeah, no, no turkey in the straw. No turkey in the straw. <laughs> no. No <way> <laughs> you are a very integral part of our choir and in, in, in the music ministry, and it's uh, it, it's it's really been a real blessing to be able to go up there and praise God and and, and praise our Lord and everything with you and Sharon on uh, on the piano and uh, and Roger on the bass and, mm-hmm. and everything to uh, accompany us and everything. And I just think it's it's a very just a nice way of adding on to that and yeah. it's appreciated well, it blesses me more than anybody probably so. uh, well lord blesses us <laughs> and hopefully uh, the audience is feeling those blessings as well well that's fantastic so 
the other reason why we, we, we asked you here, of course, is to talk about Israel. Now, you've been to Israel on several occasions now, right? Yes, we have. Uh, how many altogether? Um, well, we've been there three times. Two as a tour. Okay. One is a leader of a tour. One is part of the tour. And then the third was a mission trip. Okay, fantastic. Well, so tell me, why did you go to Israel? It's, it's the same reason why anyone should go to Israel. I had just always wanted to go to Israel. I know some people are like, oh, Annette, that's never been on my list. I always say to them, it should be. Right. Because if you're reading your Bible every day, when you go to Israel, you will not read it the same. Yeah. Because, like, it's when I'm in Sunday school class and we're talking about David hiding from Saul. It's like, well, do you realize he was able to hide because that was the area where he was shepherding? Right. He yeah. knew that area. Exactly. Saul didn't know that area. And when you go to Israel, you see the area. It's like, oh, wow, you see the cave where he hid it. And you now have a visual in your mind about what happened and why he was able to hide. Mm. You know, it is said that if a if you can get a teenager to Israel, like a 16-year-old to a 25-year-old to Israel, they will never leave their faith. Because it's no longer a storybook. It's no longer a theory. They actually saw it. They walked it's, on the stones where Jesus walked. It's real. It is so real that no professor in any university can convince them it's not true. Exactly. They say, well, it is true. I've been there. I, I touched it. Right. This isn't Narnia. This, this, exactly. is, a, this is reality. And you so know. why is, is, a, is a really big question because it's yeah. like, my answer is, why not? Exactly. Why would you want to go to Disney World when you can go to Israel and see where Jesus walked and oh. see? I mean, okay, let me just share this one story. It's one of my favorite places there is there's one place at the Sea of Galilee where seven springs, freshwater springs come in to the Sea of Galilee. There's one particular place. That's where the fishermen would have washed out their nets. Right. As you're standing on that shore, the rocky shore, that's where Jesus would have prepared the fire and had fish and baked bread after he rose from the grave to serve his, his disciples. Mm, that's amazing. I mean, that just, that just warms me up. To be in that spot. Exactly. Knowing what happened there. I yeah. know. That's just incredible. You, yeah. you will not see scripture ever again the same you know i i study my bible bible constantly and i'm reading about these places and looking at these places and i was just recently was reading on um about bethany and i was going to be doing a lesson on the resurrection of lazarus well lazarus was in bethany but when they had to go sin for jesus who was a day away and guess where he was in bethany well wait a minute that doesn't make any sense but when I pull out the maps and I, and I start looking at where it is ge uh, you know, geographically and everything, there were two Bethany's. There's one on the east side of the Jordan, one on the west side of the Jordan. And there's archaeological digs at both sites. And I start reading about that. And it's like history is sort of coming alive. Mm -hmm. But it's coming alive because I'm reading it from a book. Now that I've read it, all I can think about is actually going there, seeing what they've pulled up, looking at these places and understanding, well, this is Mary and Martha's home. We're, and this over here is where Lazarus was buried. I, I, I would absolutely love to see that. And you're right, it, it, that tangible aspect to these biblical stories mm -hmm. that we've heard all of our lives, that's just that would just be incredible. Or finding the road to Emmaus. Yes. You know, um, you, you know finding that road. Now, we have bits and pieces of that road. We don't have the whole road, but we can literally go yes. there. It, Jesus walked that road. He walked that road after his resurrection with yeah. with two of his disciples. Or, or you can see the Sea of Galilee. Yeah. You can go out in a boat ride out there like Jesus did with the disciples. Right. And you can experience, you know, what would it what it would have been like. You can look across the sea and see where the pigs would have been run into the 
sea. Green right into the sea, right off the cliff. You can see that. Yeah. yeah. And you can see, when you look at the Sea of Galilee, you might think to yourself, well, wait a minute, how could this sea, which is relatively small compared to what we think about, it's really like a lake. It is a lake, yeah. Uh, how can that possibly have such a big storm that they would be so afraid that they would die and that Jesus had to walk across the water and he had to calm the sea several times? How can that possibly be? But when you, you learn that because it's in a little bit of a valley, it's not unusual at all for storms to come right down through that valley and make it such. That's so, right. So anybody who's on that on that lake or that sea. It's, it's kind of like a fishbowl effect. Yes. It really is because you have mountains in the north, mm -hmm. which is Mount Hermon, and then you got mountains off to the west, and then of course there's a cliff on the east side. It, it really is a big indention. Yeah. And winds coming whipping through there, it would be, it could be really traumatic, actually. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But to actually be out there on that water and to, see, you know, where right. he was and to see those things, I just think that would be fascinating. So a lot of the places, because all I get to see, because I have yet to go. But all I get to see is, you know, you know, what I read in the Bible, uh, what I'm reading from these archaeological supplements, and in the, and the, I got maps all over the place from different time periods, and I'm looking at them, and and I'm looking at where the land, the lands where Canaan was actually drawn out, and I know that they're doing digs there. Uh, University of uh, Liberty University has digs going out there, uh, out, going on out there. Uh, Washtenaw Baptist University has has archaeologists out there as well, digging in different places. When you visited. Israel. Did you get to see some of that? Did you get to go to some of these? Did you pinpoint certain places that you yourself wanted to to go and experience? And what did you use as your criteria to find, you know, as far as which places you wanted to visit? Well, you can visit archaeological digs. Right. You can make that part of a trip. Right. We haven't done that in either of our trips, but when we do visit different places, I do have my own list. It's like, oh, I really want to see this. I really want to see this, you know. Right. Um, and so there are certain things that you can put on your list, like, oh, I really hope we get to do these certain things. But, like, one of them would be the Mount of Olives. Right. And Mount of Olives, you know, of course, you've got, you know, huge buildings and things like that. Oh, Jesus prayed here, so they erect a building. Yeah. But yet there's a part of Mount of Olives that you can go to privately. And we did this on our second trip, and I hope to include it in our future trips. We go there and we just quietly pray. Mm -hmm. Everyone just spreads out over the hillside. And while we were doing this on our second trip, some shepherds went through, right through the Kidron Valley, right below us with their, with their sheep. And it's like, how special wow, was that? That's incredible. You're looking across this, at the Eastern Gate, yeah. which amazing things are going to happen Absolutely. in the future. Yes. And you're just, you're just sitting there in the Mount of Olives. So to me, I don't have to have a dig to get excited. No, no, I, get I just that. really need just... A, the presence of the Lord to get excited, and that is when things really start. You will come back from Israel, and you won't read the Bible the same. You won't witness to people the same because you have experienced something unique and something. Um, and people will say, it's "Just the Holy Spirit is evident everywhere." Right. But it just seems like you're closer when you're in Israel. Oh, it's, sure. Absolutely. There's just a presence there that well, is amazing. But we did go to one place that uh, was dug out, like. Annette, when your, oh, your, right. your dad went there, he was amazed because he went there many years ago. And then when he went back with us in 2014, they had dug out the, the place where, was it Paul made his defense? Yeah, in front of before King Agrippa. Before, yeah, before Agrippa, yes. Yeah. And that was not there before. It was just a place people walked. And they had dug that out, and the whole theater is there now. We've oh, been wow. there several times. 
that is it's, it's really an amazing that thing that you can stand place. where right there Paul in Caesarea. stood and you can see exactly where the king sat. Oh, that would have been amazing. So that that is one place that was dug out, and they they continue to do that kind and, of work. And that would have been in uh, Caesarea, Caesarea mm-hmm. and it was built by uh, by Herod, Herod the Great. Yes, yeah. yes. Uh, which that would be incredible to see as well. Or mm-hmm. Gethsemane. Now Gethsemane has changed a bit over the years too. Uh, there's mm-hmm. churches there too, yeah. but but there's still parts parts of it that are original, correct or Believed to be so. Believed yes. to be so. Okay, yeah. and you, you guys went there as well, if I'm not mistaken. Did yes. You, did you not and planted? Is that where you planted the tree? Or well, not? it's cl- it's close. It's right. It's two blocks down from where we planted a biblical foods prayer garden. Oh, fantastic! So yeah, you can walk from Garden of Gethsemane straight down to the prayer garden and experience both in the same afternoon. A biblical foods garden. Tell me about that. Well, you know there are seven foods that Deuteronomy talks about that would be a very um, fruitful in the promised land. And I teach about that a lot on my in my other business, my other ministry. And so we went and planted all seven of those foods in this prayer garden because every people group will walk by this prayer garden. Yeah. And they're caught by the attention of the prayer garden. And just through the prayers of all of us praying for that prayer garden, people are drawn into it. Oh, that's wonderful. Scripture is written on the walls in Aramaic and Hebrew and English. You know, so that every people group that walks by is going to be able to read their own language and they're going to read God's word. Oh, that's wonderful. They're walking to get to the train station. They're walking to get to all these different important places. And right there is this prayer garden. So we went over there and planted pomegranates. And there we had the olive trees. So we planted pomegranates, the great, the grapes, the dates, date palms, um, all of the seven, which are escaping me right this minute. But yeah, it's just an amazing experience. Awesome. So that would be amazing. I did see some... I think some pictures or some photos that uh, Jason Harris was telling me and showing me and everything from his trip yeah. uh, when you guys were doing that. Yeah. So you've gone uh, on three different trips. Right. And you and out of that, I understand that you've seen two, well, marriages or one one marriage and one engagement. Is that how it's done? Or is it? Yeah, amazing things happen when you go to Israel. And it's, I know. It's, it's not all biblical. It's not all biblical. It's not all about the Bible. Well, I hate to tell you this. The marriage is biblical. Marriage is very biblical. <laughs> It is, but you'd be amazed what else happens in Israel. Uh, I can only imagine. Yeah. 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 Like, I understand there are, um, first off, for you folks listening, I highly recommend going to Israel at any time. And I know a lot of people have said uh, to me uh, that, uh, well, why would I go there? It's a dangerous place. It's not a dangerous place. It's probably one of the most protected and safest places on earth. You've got, yes, you do have soldiers standing there with guns, correct? You do. Well, it's, it's, yes. But you feel completely safe. Exactly. Yeah. Because they're standing Because there. they're standing there. <laughs> protecting yeah. you. And they know who the enemy is. They know. Exactly. <laughs> Everyone knows visitors are not the but enemy. We've, been never, we've never felt threatened in mm-hmm. any way, any time we've ever been there. Oh, that's never. just wonderful. Yeah. And, you know, one of the highlights, and we didn't talk about it, I'll say real briefly. One of the highlights is Jerusalem. Right. That of is course. the place. That is the place. You know, the crucifixion. The, the resurrection, the burial, the burial resurrection, all those things, and all the, the upper room, all those things took place there. Right. Not to mention the the history of the the walls of Jerusalem. Right. And all of that stuff. That yeah, is, well. to me, that is the ultimate highlight of the whole trip. And there's so much other that you can go and see, but that is the highlight. Didn't you go through Hezekiah's tunnel? Including Hezekiah's tunnel. Yeah. As long as you're not claustrophobic, that is a great place to go. That is, that is really cool. <laughs> I think that would be really neat. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, the Wailing Wall and uh, the Temple yes. Mount. I don't know. You weren't able to go up there, though. I don't no, not they restrict the that quite a bit. Right. We've yeah. never been able to get there, right? Right, yeah. But the, 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 ta- the takeaway is, though, the same miracles that Jesus and God performed 
are still able to be performed today yeah in our own life that's that's true the miracles that happened back then he's still the miracle worker today absolutely Absolutely. and what we do is we remind ourselves of what god did and what he's capable of doing and what he's coming to do that's exactly right and going to israel reignites that within you to remind yourself god is at work this is a beautiful thing and i tell you when you read your bible it's going to make you want to read your bible more but when you read your bible not only can you say I was there, you, you can visualize it now. You can you can just experience it more, even when you're back in the states. Yeah, it all comes to light. It just yeah. all comes to light. Yeah. You don't realize just how close and compact mm-hmm. all of this land is and this ground was. Understanding what a walk, what it would have taken to walk from Nazareth to Jerusalem, or or you know just from from Hebron to Jerusalem. I mean, it's, from Hebron to Jerusalem, you can do that in just a couple of hours. You know, it's not that big of a deal. But in the scripture, just how far is this? You know, yeah. How is this going to take? You know, but putting it all together and getting it all into the right perspective so that you can piece it all together it makes just a tremendous sense. But being able to see that area mm-hmm. is phenomenal. So I, I want to thank you both. This is just great. We could go on and on and on about this. Yes, oh, we okay. could. We could and talk for days about Israel. I think it would be wonderful. And the great thing is, is that I know that there's a plan for another trip, a fourth trip for you guys, and, and one that we would like to be able to announce to you guys and very soon in the upcoming future. So all of you that are listening to the podcast, stay tuned. We hope to have some information about that mm-hmm. quite soon for a trip to Israel in 2021. So you'll have that link on your website? I will have a link on our website, Proverbs2511.com. We're also going to have a link to um, your website, Annette, uh, thebiblicalnutritionist.com. And we're going to have Annette back if she's willing to come back so we can talk more about biblical nutrition and uh, learning a lot more about your ministry with that. Thank you so much for being right. here. Thank you Appreciate for having it. us. Thank you. All right. We want to thank you all for listening to us today here at A Word Fitly Spoken. And before we go, we have an announcement. We want to let you know about our website. It's Proverbs2511.com. And that's exactly where you find uh, the theme to our podcast, A Word Fitly Spoken. Go to Proverbs2511.com and you'll see the podcast and links to some of the other ministries that many of our guests have been promoting like Stephen and Annette Readers. You can find a link to The Biblical Nutritionist at that website. We hope you enjoy it. As you go through this week, please remember, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pictures of silver. Have a blessed day.